listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I don't know if you guys saw this, and I don't even know if you know who he is, but it blows my mind. Um, I just wanted to say this because it's the, the, the actual news, the actual news of it is amazing. Um, if you listen to podcasts at all, and I'm sure I know you listen to this one, but if you listen to podcasts at all, it blows my mind. If you've ever heard of a dude named Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan started in television, you know, years and years ago, he hosted the fear factor. Uh, he, he does commentary on UFC fights, but he has probably the most listened to podcast that's out, uh, the Joe Rogan experience, the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, interviews, all kinds of famous people, people from all over the world blows my mind that yesterday, well, I guess it was in this, within this last week, Spotify bought the exclusive rights to his podcast for a hundred million dollars. Now think about that. I mean, this blows my mind because we've moved so far away from, uh, you know, television networks, record labels, all like big business, big, uh, big control to now dudes are just like renting a small space, you know, doing their own podcast, filming it, putting it on YouTube and getting so much traction because of the internet that now Spotify is willing to spend a $100 billion. And think about this, their stock price, uh, went up. What was it? I mean, it, it, it blew up. It blew up within that first, within the announcement of them um, exclusively signing Joe Rogan. So it blows my mind that the, the day and age we're living in, that uh, what we're doing right here now together is more valuable to people than stuff that airs on NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but YouTube, at any given moment of the day, YouTube has more viewers than all major networks combined, like by far more. It's the second largest search engine in the world. So when you think about the fact that we can do stuff like this right here, see, it, it used to be that if you were going to reach tons and tons of people, um, yeah, I believe that, Andrew, leaving YouTube because of the censorship. I, I totally believe that. Um, and Dr. Rodney is another one that saw that coming and started building out like his own platform uh, that was, it's like his own social media platform. So no one can um, cut him off. He's got his own servers. Nobody can stop what he's saying, but I totally see that. But one of the things that I wanted to show you guys is um, it used to be back in the day. If you wanted to reach a ton of people, you had to have somebody massive pushing you. You had to be on, you know, national networks or whatever. Um, and it shows you today um, it shows you today that you can just get on the internet and if your content, if your content is quality, uh, and you're consistent, you can reach the world. I mean, just look at our, I'm not, I'm not like an international name by any means, but you look at like our, our broadcast and you're seeing people from all over the world that are joining in. We get people from countries I've never even been to. Uh, you know, Miracle Word kids came out. We had kids signing up from countries that I've never been to. People watching from all over the world. People commenting from all the world. People are sewing from all over the world. It shows you the day and age we're living in. By the way, 
that is Bible prophecy being fulfilled. And um, see, like there's there's uh, Mumbi from Kenya. I mean, people watching from Zambia, people watching from South Africa, people watching from the UK. We've got people that watch from Italy. We've got people that watch from the uh, Dubai and the United Arab Emirates. It's amazing. All over the world, uh, people are joining in, and it shows you the power of the platform. So as you're as you're sharing, understand what you're doing. It's expanding, and the gospel can re- literally reach the world without ever having to uh, go on a. Uh, you know, a satellite, a network, and anything like that, literally right here. It blows, it really does blow my mind. And now we're getting to the place where companies are seeing the value in that. Blows blows my mind. For somebody to pay a hundred million dollars to sign a podcast, a podcast. Think about that. They just paid a hundred million dollars for the exclusive rights to a podcast. That that's that's mind-blowing. We're literally two people just sit in a chair and talk back and forth. I mean, super low production value, but but because people want it and because people are listening to it, $100 million boosted their stock prices through the roof and uh, it's just going to increase. This platform is just, just going to continue to in, increase. Look at Dave said, my brother watches from the Philippines. There's a little gem in, in Cape Town. Glad you're on today. So, I mean, look at that. It's It's mind-blowing. Um, and, and one thing you have to, one thing you got to say, uh, whether or not you like Joe Rogan or not, one thing you've got to say about him is the dude works hard. The guy works hard. Every podcast, every day that he releases it is three hours long, three hours. So, you know, people think I have people call me and be like, man, you do like an hour and a half a day or two hours a day. Yeah. Talk to Joe Rogan. He does three hours a day and, um, people want to watch it. So, it's amazing to see that, you know, the guy, guy works hard and that plays into what I'm talking about today, because if you saw the uh, title of today's broadcast, I'm dealing with exposing the demonic agenda of entitlement culture. And I, and I want to talk about that because it's one of the things that has, that the devil's tried to use to literally destroy the body of Christ. And um, anybody that, that's on the broadcast today that's older than 40 years old will know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're younger, you may not recognize it, but I'm going to deal with it today and we're going to expose it and show you exactly what I mean and what the Bible says about it. Because one of the things that, uh, that needs to be said is that this entitlement culture that's tried to hit the world, especially the Western world with you know uh, Europe and the United States, Canada, is that it's it's a uh, it's it's a destructive force, not just on our culture and the nation, but the church also, the church also, the people of God. And I'll t- I'll show you what I mean by that as we go through the Bible. But we're talking about exposing the demonic agenda of the entitlement culture, and the entitlement culture is seen everywhere you look. Blows my mind. You know, used I was just um I was writing an article this last week. Um, and I was telling the story, you know, it blows my mind when you look from generation to generation, the difference in work ethic, you know, and I, I know we, uh, I know we joke, you know, about things that our grandparents used to say, you know, because isn't it funny how that the old generation always wanted to let you know, we didn't have it as easy as you have it. You know, that's always been, it. 
I had to walk to school uphill both ways in snow with no socks or shoes on. It's like the story just gets bigger and bigger every time someone tells it. But um, there truly was a greater work ethic for many people as time goes backward. And uh, the more time moves forward, you can see this where the next generation more and more doesn't want to do the work. I was writing an article and in it, I told the story of Colonel Sanders who founded Kentucky Fried Chicken. And um, he grew up, he was born in uh, Indiana, but he grew up in Kentucky and his family, his family was poor, like very poor. And uh, he had to like quit school at an early age. I think he started working a job. Listen to this, working a job when he was like 10 years old, which would have been like in the year 1900. He was born in 1890. So it would have been like the year 1900. At 10 years old, had to quit school and go work a job as a farmhand. I mean, like, you know, you think about that. Not not just like working any job, not just like at a desk somewhere or like, you know, folding papers or, you know, taping boxes shut. He was a farmhand, which is like insane. And so he worked, by the time he was 17, he had held so many jobs, so many positions. And uh, worked and worked throughout his life. And so you understand the the work ethic of people going back in time as a whole. Now, obviously, there's individuals that do hard work. But in the culture as a whole, hard work was something that was expected and was common among the culture. There's always been people on the outside. But now that we're moving forward, one of the most dangerous things that you see is this entitlement culture. And I wish you'd share this because I wish as many people would hear this as could hear it. Because forget just, forget the world. Think of the church. Forget the the normal world culture. Think of just the church culture. And I'll I'll explain to you what I mean. It's actually anti-biblical to have an entitlement uh, mindset. It's anti-biblical. I'll show you that from scripture. And what I mean, let me define it while we're talking about it. We have a generation of people that, um, yeah, that's kind of stuff I mean. Andrew just said, I've had staff take mental days. Like, I just got to get my mind right. You know, I need to stay home. It's like, it blows my mind. Let me explain what I mean. You know, when you talk about this entitlement culture, one of the things that I mean is that People just think because of who I am, you know, because of me, things should be just given to me. Things should be handed to me. And um, I know there's so many things that play into that. What we watch on television, how we see celebrity culture that's taken over uh, the airwaves. And everybody's a celebrity in their own mind. Nobody feels like they should have to do hard work. Nobody feels like they should have to press for anything or uh, they think, well, no, I, I'm, you know, I'm a millennial. They should just give it to me. And, and the sad thing is, this is something that's being done, even by the governments of the world. That's facilitating this mindset. Think about the fact. I mean, I want you to think about the fact that during the end of this lockdown, there were people refusing to go back to work because they could stay home from work and collect an unemployment check versus going back to their job. That right there 
is part of that mindset. I would rather stay home and do nothing and collect an unemployment check than I would get out of my house and go back to my job and work. I've seen, and this may blow your mind, but it's true. I've seen people in revival services who got healed, got a physical miracle and were healed. And days later were angry that they had someone pray for them and they got healed because now that they uh, got healed, they can no longer collect a disability check. I mean, I want you to think that through for a minute. Mad that God healed them because now that they're healed, they can no longer collect a disability check. I mean, that is as far gone crazy as you can get. I would rather remain crippled. I would rather remain sick, diseased, whatever. I would rather have all that stuff on me than I would give up my disability check. That is crazy. But you know what it is? It's it's literally, um, it's this mindset of entitlement. I would rather stay home and I would rather just collect a check, all this different stuff, than I would actually go and work and use my gift and use my talent, be diligent, be faithful, like the Bible teaches. But it's all through. It's all through our culture. And it is true, as people are saying in the comments, that's a lazy mindset. And and notice this, the Bible calls laziness wickedness. And I've shown you this through the parable of the talents uh, a few times, where we go to Matthew 25, And I tell you the story of the master who left three of his servants with talents. One got five, one got two, one got one. The one with five doubled it from working. The one with two doubled his from working. And the one with one buried it in the ground. And when his master came back, he just handed it to him and said, hey, I know you're a hard master. You reap where you don't sow. I didn't want to lose your talent, so here it is. And he said, you wicked and lazy servant. So that's how the master uh, talked about it when he dealt with the, the lazy servant. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. You wicked and lazy servant. So here's the thing. You have to understand that the Bible equates laziness with wickedness. I want you to put that in the comments section. The Bible equates laziness with wickedness. Very important mindset as we start this teaching today. The Bible equates laziness with wickedness. No question about it. God is looking for people, especially in the body of Christ. God is looking for people who are willing to work. No question about that. That's it. The Bible equates laziness with wickedness. It's the same. Laziness is wickedness. Do you know how many times in the Bible? I mean, I'm sure I know you've read it. And of course, we're going through the New Testament this month. But do you know how many times that laziness is rebuked in the scripture? I mean, just go to the book of Proverbs, read through those 31 uh, Proverbs and look at how many times laziness is rebuked. You know, consider the ant thou sluggard. You know, look at that, look at that, that proverb, consider the ant, you sluggard, a lazy person, a sluggard. And what's the, what's the, the end, um, moral of that parable or that proverb, 
Look at the ant. No one has to tell him to work. No one has to tell him to prepare for seasons of life. Nobody has to tell him to collect food. No one has to tell them to build their home. Nobody. And without a leader, without somebody lording it over them, without somebody checking up on their work every five minutes, look at the ant. The ant just goes out and begins to work, goes out, finds food, carries things back, carries things back. You understand? And he said, take a look and let that be your example. Well, what is the proverb telling us? Let that be my example, that an ant does not have to have somebody constantly lording it over them and constantly giving them instruction and checking up on their work and all that. No, the ant just works and the ant works hard and continues until what it needs for the, the upcoming seasons or upcoming life is done. And the storehouse is stored up and they have enough food and they've built their uh, you know, nest or whatever. Uh, so understand that the Bible, the scripture, the Holy Spirit is saying, look at the way it works and you work the same way. <clears throat> so that's a picture for us. So if your employer has to always check up on you every 10 minutes, has to always stop by your desk every hour to make sure you're not playing a game on your phone to make sure you're actually doing the work you were hired to do, then that you then you are not doing what the Bible says, that you're not being diligent. Uh, you know, I look at the the next generation, they're just riding out the clock. You know, one of the one of the worst things you can do in life, if you want to be promoted and walk, we dealt with this yesterday. One of the worst things you can do if you're expecting success in life is to work by the clock, you know, and then just shaving time off. I've heard it said this way, you know, if if you work nine to five and that's what your paycheck is, if you come in at nine oh seven and you leave work, you know, at four fifty-five or four fifty-seven, you have just stolen ten minutes from your employer. You've stolen it because you didn't show up to work it, but they're paying you to work it. And so there's people that they're always looking at the clock. Oh, it's I gotta get out of here. I'm gonna get out of here. Well, I'm gonna get out a little bit early because there's traffic. I got, you know, this parking lot jams up. And so people, they're not diligent and that's seen. And you're not working as under the Lord, as the Bible says in Colossians 3.23, that whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. If we would just use that one uh, watermark, you know, if we would just say, okay, that right there is going to be my standard, my goal. No matter what I do, I do it as unto the Lord. It's as though Jesus himself is my employer. It's as though Jesus is himself is the one who's writing my paycheck. And we know the Bible says it's only God who gives the increase and promotion, Psalm 75, 6 and 7. So in, in all reality, it is God who's the one determining whether or not you'll be promoted. And so <clears throat> one of the things that um, we have to guard ourselves against, because uh, this, in my opinion, is at the root of entitlement. It's pride and haughtiness, thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. Thinking more highly of yourself. Well, I shouldn't have to work. They should just hand it to me. I shouldn't have to do all that. I shouldn't have to come in early. I shouldn't have to be staying late. I shouldn't have to do that. You know, there's people that in the body of Christ, they won't do certain things because they think those things are below them. Did you know that? I mean, that's a sure way to never be promoted by the Lord. 
There, there are people in the church. I know it's nobody watching. We've got uh, the best of the best here today. But there are people in the church. I've seen it. I've dealt with it. I've watched it. There are people that are in the body of Christ that they wouldn't do certain things in the church because they feel it's below them. Well, we need people to come in and clean the church for, you know, spring cleaning. We've got a, a bunch of people coming in. Clean the church. I've got a gift. I'm a soloist. I'm a psalmist. I sing. That's my gift. I don't clean churches. I sing as under the Lord. There's people that they won't do certain things because they feel it's below them. What do you What do you mean clean the bathrooms? How could I clean the bathrooms? Don't you know I'm the head deacon of this church? Don't you know I'm a soloist? I'm the praise and worship leader. Don't you understand my gift is far beyond scrubbing a toilet? And literally, they allow what they do for the Lord to put pride in their heart, and then they feel like they can't do certain things because it's below them. That's haughtiness and pride. When my father approached my grandfather to tell him um, that he was called to preach, very interesting story. My dad said, Dad, the Lord called me to preach. He walked into the church that my grandfather was pastoring in the day. He said, the Lord called me to preach. He said, great son, grab the lawnmower if you would and, and cut the grass of the church. And my, uh, my dad thought that his father wasn't listening to him, but he was obedient. He went and got the, the, the lawnmower and, uh, and went and cut the grass of the church outside. And then he came back and he said, well, now that I'm done with that, I, I want to talk to him about this. Cause uh, you know, he said, um, dad, I want you to know that the, uh, the Lord called me to preach. I'm going to be a preacher. He said, that's great, son. Do me a favor. Grab that uh, vacuum cleaner and vacuum the lobby of the church and vacuum the sanctuary. And my dad was getting frustrated. He was saying, there's no way. My dad's not listening to me. I'm telling him that the Lord has given me a calling, you know, given me a purpose. And so he did it. And then he came back and he said, uh, dad, I don't know if you heard what I said, but the Lord called me to preach. He said, son, take this mason jar and uh, kids have been sticking gum under the pews of the church. I need you to crawl under all the pews and I need you to detach the gum and put it in this mason jar and clean up the underneath of the pews. And finally, my dad was exasperated. He said, dad, I'm telling you that God called me to preach. And my grandfather stopped and looked at him. He said, son, if you're too big to clean the house of God and to take care of the house of God, then you're too small to preach in the house of God. And he was teaching him a lesson. This is actually a, uh, an object lesson that if you think you've become too big, and, and, and it could really be summed up, I've heard people say it this way. If you're too big to do the small things, then you're too small to do the big things. I want you to think about that. Put it in the comments. If I'm too big to do the small things, then I'm too small to do the big things. Think about that. If I'm too big to do the small things, then I'm too small to do the big things. You know what Jesus said to his disciples? He said, whoever would be great among you must become your servant, must serve you. He washed his disciples' feet. There are people, he didn't, they, they didn't want Jesus washing their feet. Don't wash my feet. You're the master. You're the master. Whoever may, would, would become great among you must be your servant. In the kingdom, 
That's right. Put it in the comments. If I'm too big to do the small things, I'm too small to do the big things. In the kingdom, if you want to go up, you've got to go down. Think about that. In the kingdom, if you want to go higher, you have to place yourself at a lower place. That's why the Bible says that when you go to a dinner, when you go to a table where everybody's eating, don't sit yourself at the head of the table. Sit yourself at the bottom. It's better to be promoted than it is demoted. And if I'm too big to do the small things, then I'm too small to do the big things. I've got to stay in a place of humility. I've got to stay in a place of meekness. That's the key to greatness. And an enti- that's an, a, the demonic agenda of entitlement culture is to start thinking of yourself more highly than you. Well, I can't do that. I'm too big to do that. I wouldn't. Why would I? I shouldn't have to do that. Let make someone else do it. You know, I'm, I, I'm not doing You know, literally, I've dealt with people, so many people. Oh, yeah, that's true, sissy. Sissy said on the flip side, some people will will only serve just to be seen. I've dealt with that on the broadcast too. That there's some people that will only serve if they're recognized publicly, but it's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. It's, It's people wanting to be seen because they think highly of themselves. Well, I vacuumed the lobby, but I need you to put that in the bulletin and I'd like pastor to mention it from the pulpit if possible. Just let people know that I took the extra time uh, to come by the church this week and make sure everything was straight. And so it's, it's very interesting. It's the same thing. It stems from pride. It stems from haughtiness. It stems from thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. And it's one of the biggest destructive forces in, the, in an individual in the body of Christ. Because the Bible teaches us that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You see that? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so the devil wants you to get into a place of pride. He wants you to start thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. Well, they should just hand it to me. They should just give it to me. I mean, that's I'm 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 worthy of that. They should just I I shouldn't have to work. They should just bless me. I mean, that's how people think today. They think that today. Think about that. Let me take you through a couple of scriptures here that uh that'll stir your spirit and help you to understand this. Listen listen to Paul's Listen to Paul's instruction to the Thessalonian church in 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10. This is 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10. Listen, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, don't let him eat. If you're not willing to work, you're not qualified to eat. That was Paul's instruction to the church. He wasn't looking for a church full of entitled people. He was looking for a church full of people that were willing to do the work of the ministry, willing to do the work and and fulfill the purpose of the body of Christ. If they're not willing to work, they're not qualified to eat. Listen to the same thing two verses later that he said. This is 2 Thessalonians 3.12. That was 3.10. Listen to 3.12. It said, now such persons we 
command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Do their work quietly and earn their own living. Live peaceably. Do your work quietly. Earn a living. Earn a living. Listen to this, because this this blows my mind. Look, Look at the flip side of this coin. Paul wrote this letter to Timothy. This is 1 Timothy 5.8. Listen to this. But if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for the members of his own household, he has denied the faith, hold on a second, and is worse than an unbeliever. I mean, that can't be any more plain than it is. You see that? Paul told Timothy, if anybody refuses to provide for their own family, especially members of their own household, then they've denied the faith, denied the faith, and have become worse than an unbeliever. 1 Timothy 5.8. My God, think about how serious that is. How could Paul say something like that? If you get lazy, this is why I'm telling you it's a demonic agenda. You think, well, he's being dramatic with that title, demonic agenda of the, no, no, no. I'm not being dramatic with that title. I'm not trying to overstate the facts. Paul said that if you want to live that type of lifestyle where everything's just handed to you, that you have to look to the government. You know, I know there are people that are truly in hardship. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the people that milk the system because they've learned how to milk the system. People that call themselves disabled, they're not disabled. They're not. They could easily work. They could easily provide for their families, but they would rather milk the government and take handouts left and right than they would work to provide for their family. And Paul said that if anybody does that and refuses to provide for his relatives, members of his own household, he has denied the faith, denied the faith. That's in that's insane. I mean, think about this. Paul is a thing. I mean, I want you to think about the seriousness, the severity of what Paul's saying. I mean, Paul's saying, think what it means to deny the faith. It's like turning your back on God and deciding to go your own way. It would be like people who just go live in unrepentant sin. I know the Bible speaks against homosexuality, but I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to go live a homosexual lifestyle and not even care about it and be unrepentant. I'm going to do what I want to do. I know the Bible says that we should not murder others, but I don't really care what the Bible says. I'm going to go just murder people left and right, and I don't care. I don't feel bad about it. I'm not going to repent for it. I just feel like murdering people. You know, you think about it. Think about it. I know that the Bible says don't steal. You shouldn't be a thief and steal from your from your fellow man. But I'm going to go steal as much as I can steal. I'm going to become a con man. I'm going to go steal as much money as I can. I'm going to knock over banks. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to hack into people's accounts and steal their money. And I don't care what the Bible says about it. And I'm not going to repent for it. I'm going to steal as much as I can get my hands on. In the same way that all those things sound crazy. Sounds crazy to any Christian that wants to please the Lord. Paul is saying with the same severity, think about that. Anyone who does not provide for the members of his own household has denied the faith and is worse, worse than an unbeliever. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to Christians. He said, when you do that, you're worse than an unbeliever is. That's heavy, bro. That's extremely heavy. 
So it sh- and I bring that up to show you how seriously that Paul thought about this entitlement culture. Well, no, they should hand it to me. They should just give it to me because of who I am. I shouldn't have to work. I shouldn't have to do it. No, absolutely not. Paul said, I want you to know. Did you know this? I, w- I want you to think about this. Paul made this um, made this decision, and, and it, was, it was interesting. Paul made a decision that when he came to some of the churches, and he wrote them letters to let them know, he said, now, in, in, in normality, if a, a traveling minister comes to you or a, a pastor or an apostle or whatever, that if they minister spiritual things to you by teaching and preaching, you are supposed to minister financial things back to them. That's what Paul taught. He said, you're supposed to bless them. You're supposed to give them double honor. You're supposed to support them you know, financially. He said, but when I was with you, I made a point to not infringe upon or ask for that right, even though it was my right, Paul said. But what did I do? He said, I wanted to show you a picture of what hard work looks like. And so he said, I never once used my rights to infringe upon you uh, for my finances, but I worked hard. And all the brothers that came with me worked hard on a daily basis so that you could see an example of what hard work looks like and diligence and faithfulness. And then what did Paul say to churches that he wrote back to? Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me. Be imitators of me. So Paul said, now I'm doing this not because I have to and not because I should. On the flip side, you should be blessing the ministry gifts. But I want to show you an example of hard work. And then Paul went at it. And of course, we know one of the things Paul did was that he had a tent making business and he would make tents for people and sell them. And so worked hard. But understand this, Paul, and he did this purposefully, Paul made sure, he made sure that people saw him working hard. He made sure that he set the precedent. So hard work, he wanted this to be ingrained in the churches that we're not lazy believers. We're not lazy disciples. We are diligent workers. We are faithful workers. We are excellent workers. And everything we do, we do it as unto the Lord. We do it as unto the Lord. Powerful thought. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 29, if you see a man who is diligent in his work, he will not stand before mere men, but he will serve kings. Think about that. He will serve kings. He'll not stand before mere men. What does that mean? What does it mean to stand before kings? It means that you'll rise to the highest possible rank that you could rise to, that you will not stand and just do the same stuff everybody else is doing, but you'll continue to be promoted, 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 promoted because of the fact that you have an excellent spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Joel. I love you, buddy. You have an excellent spirit. What does it mean to have an excellent spirit? Doing things as if you were doing them unto the Lord. Like he's the one standing right in front of you and that you are making that happen for Jesus himself. That's exactly what we're talking about. That's that's it. Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see a man diligent in his work? That translation says skillful in his work. He'll, He'll stand before kings. He'll not stand before obscure men. 
And that's going to be your story in Jesus' name. As you continue to be diligent in whatever area that God has blessed you in, whatever your business is, whatever you've set your hand to do, whatever God's called you to do, that will be your story. You'll continue to rise and rise and rise and rise. Your name will be known. You'll be called to solve problems. You'll be blessed above the rest. Your business will flourish. Everything that you set your hand to will be blessed. Why? Because you have an excellent spirit, because you're a diligent worker, because you're not afraid to be faithful and to press in when others are ready to go on vacation, you're ready to go again. Hallelujah. And you will be blessed above the rest, never ending increase. Do you know, let me get, let me just tell you a a quick story about myself. When I was on staff at the church as an associate, I made up my mind that I wanted to make more money for giving purposes. I wanted to have extra seed money to sow. I said, well, you know what? I have gifts and talents that I could use. I mean, when I get off work and I, I worked, you know, many days I would work, you know, nine in the morning and not be done till nine at night. You know, Monday was my day off. But, you know, Tuesday, nine in the morning, all the way through, I'd have youth group and not be done until nine at night. Uh, Wednesday, we'd have service and I'd be still doing praise and worship, everything, not be done until nine, 10 at night. Thursday was my choir and band practice. I would do work all day and then be finished with choir and band practice nine at night. Friday, we'd have miracle services. And so, so there were many days that I worked 12 hour, 12 hour shifts, but I knew that I still had time that I could do other things and God would use me. And so I'd come home and I said, you know what? I've got some gifts and I've got some talents that I could use to make extra money. And because I've done a lot of things with graphics and building websites and doing marketing materials, stuff like that, I was like, let me build a graphics design and marketing and website company and just start doing that stuff for, for business around this local area. So I just put up a little website, nothing in depth. I put something up little. I never bought any advertising anywhere. You know, this was, I don't even think I ever paid $1 for uh, any kind of boosting on Facebook. I don't even know if you could do that back then. But I just started word of mouth telling people, hey, I'm available to do this for you if you want me to make some designs, if you want to do it. And can I tell you, I told the Lord, of course, this part of this is to, uh, to to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing to the kingdom more than I am now. Did my work as unto the Lord. And can I tell you something? So much business came in. (laughs) I want you to think about this. So much business came in. And I was just me doing it on my laptop on my couch. I mean, I didn't have a staff. I didn't have an office. It was just me at home. And so much business came in that that by the end of it, I had to basically stop doing it (laughs) because, uh, I could tell it was, it was like starting to, it was going to go. And when we started traveling as full-time evangelists, I was like, there's no way to sustain this and continue on being faithful to the ministry, which was my first call. And so literally so much business came in and it was word of mouth after word of mouth. People would call from all over the place. I started doing campaigns for politicians. I started doing things for, you know, law offices. I started doing things for businesses around the area. People started calling from all over. I mean, it it was amazing. And the money kept coming in, coming in, coming. Well, the Lord knows if you're going to be a kingdom builder, he can put blessing in your hand, put money in your hand. 
and I just kept getting blessed and blessed and blessed. I'd work. My wife will tell you, if I didn't know how to do something I was being asked to do, I would stay up if I had to till three in the morning, four in the morning, watching tutorials, learning, teaching myself new skills, working to do it, happy to do it, excited to do it. I said, well, you know, I work nine to five. I don't know. I would work. Sometimes I'd work till three in the morning, just trying to learn something new. Business would come in. I would, I'd be pumping stuff out, uh, more finances coming in and, and the Lord just put his hands on it and blessed it and excellence. I mean like excellence and, and people would comment it all the time. People would comment all the time. <clears throat> And it was, it was, it blew my mind to watch it happen because I never, of course I had expectation of being blessed, but I never could have imagined. See, it blows my mind because it's like an Ephesians 3.20 type of moment. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. So the Holy Spirit, there was nothing I couldn't learn. There's nothing I couldn't understand, nothing I couldn't know. He teaches me all things. I have the mind of Christ. I was never stumped. I just kept pressing until I got it. I would learn it. I would blow past obstacles and the money would come in and people would find out, oh, so-and-so, he did a great job for us, man. You should call him up. He he, he gets everything on a deadline to you. He gets it, gets it right in your hands. It stuff looks really great. And then more calls and then more calls and then more calls. And the increase kept on coming. Why? I was working for them as though I was working for the Lord. I was, and I'm just telling you right now that if you are that kind of a person, you will continue to increase and increase and increase. You'll not, one of the, let me tell you some of the good news for you. This is actually the greatest time to be alive, to work for God that there ever was. And especially when you're a a business owner, a kingdom, a kingdom financier, as a business owner, let me tell you why. Because the contrast today is greater than it's ever been. Do you ever think about that? Because of what's happening with this generation and with everybody, the way they work, the contrast today is greater than it's ever been. For you that are faithful, think about this. For you that are faithful, it's better. Because now you have an excellent spirit. You have an excellent work ethic. You have excellent quality. You have excellent people skills because you're Holy Ghost filled and you walk in love, joy, and peace. You, people don't have to walk on eggshells around you. Um, you don't come to the job drunk. You don't come to the job high. You show up on time. You're kind to people. You work well with others, all because the power of God's working on your life. Then add on top of that, the hand of favor that's on your life. Then add on top of that, the purpose that God's called you to, and the fact that you have an advantage in the Holy Ghost who empowers you to do what you're called to do. All of those things make you stand out head and shoulders above the rest. So let me tell you something. Don't be surprised when you get the job over other people. Don't be surprised when you get the promotion over other people. Don't be surprised when you get the contracts over other people because people like you better. Sinners will like you better. I promise you that. So, well, now I tell you what, there's people that because I'm a Christian, they don't like me. You know, anytime I've truly investigated it, and, and I'm, this is going to be harsh, and this is going to be honest, and it's a minor rant. But anytime I've had a Christian come to me 
and say, well, the people at my job, their person, they don't like me because I'm a Christian. I mean, you do a little bit of investigating. It's not, they don't like, they don't not like you because you're a Christian. They don't like you because you're a jerk, because <laughs> you're a, a moron. You don't treat people well. You're super spiritual. You don't come to work on time. You don't do what you should. You leave early. They don't not like you because you're a Christian. They don't, they, they don't like you because you don't work hard and because you're a jerk to people. I promise you, 99% of the people I've dealt with, that's the case. You're weird. People don't like you because you're weird. They don't like me, brother, because I'm... No, because every time they come by your desk when you should be working, you've got your Bible out and you're reading your Bible. It's not what time to read the Bible. It's time to work. And that's the reason. Any sinner... Can I tell you something? Sinners... I've met sinners that like me better than Christians like me. <laughs> you know why? Because first of all, not only am I real with people, if you show the love of Christ to people, if you're kind, if you're loving, if you've got peace in your life, if you've got joy in your life, people want to be around that and they can feel it. They can feel that on you and they want more of it because they don't have it at their house. They don't have it in their relationships. They don't have it at their job. They want to be around you. I don't know if everybody's ever told you this, but you've probably had people come to you and say, man, I don't know what it is, but I just feel better when I'm around you. I mean, raise the hand in the comments if you've had somebody say that to you. I don't know what it is, but man, when I get around you, I just feel good. I, I like hanging with you, man. I feel good. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Because why? You carry the spirit of Christ in you, the Holy Ghost. You have love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. You have all of these things that are operating in your life on top of the fact you've got the Holy Ghost in you who's drawing men to Jesus. <laughs> He's drawing men to Jesus. And people, it's that factor that they don't understand why they like you so much. I know why you like me so much. I know why you want to keep talking to me all the time. I know why people spill their guts to you. I mean, you ever have that happen? People, they don't even hardly know you that well. And they just start talking to you and talking to you. I, 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 want, I want to just tell you, I mean, I don't even know why I'm telling. Brother, I don't even know why. You know, they don't call you brother because they're not Christians. But man, I don't, even, I don't even know why I'm telling you all this stuff. I, I, I don't usually talk about myself like this. But I wanted to tell you, why, why are they talking? Why are they spilling? Why are they doing all that because they feel something in you that they don't have in them. They feel something in you they don't have at home. They don't have it at their job. They don't have with their family. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. And people recognize, I like that guy. You know what? We should add him to the team. We, sh we, should, put, we should make him the manager. We should make her the manager. It was happening to me. I would teach these principles to my youth group when I was in my early 20s and it was working for teenagers. I told you that. That people would um, hire my teenagers and then they'd promote them. I had one of my guys come back to me. He's like, Pastor Ted, pray for me. I said, what's the problem now? You just got the job. You just got it. He said, no, no, it's not bad. He said, I'm, you know, he was 18. He said, I just got the job like three months ago. But he said, um, I don't know why they, they decided to promote me to manager of the location. And he said, there's people that have worked there longer than I have. They've got seniority. They're older than me. They, they've done more than me. And they should have got it, and I got it. And I don't know, and, and they're mad at me now because they got to work for an 18-year-old. I said, that's called the favor of God. That's called the favor of God. And when you have those things working, promotion comes from the Lord. Promotion comes from the Lord. 
And see, that's why the spirit of entitlement, that entitlement culture is so demonic because it takes you out of what Christ called you to do and puts you into that worldly system. And I'll never be that person. You'll never be that person. You'll always be the person that provokes the favor of God by dedication and diligence to the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If you just if you'll just be dedicated and diligent. I mean, Jesus drilled the same things into his disciples that Paul was drilling into the churches. It wasn't a different message. Jesus told them in their purpose, time to work. Listen, listen to the gospel of John chapter nine and verse four. Listen to this. The Bible says, and this is Jesus talking, we must work. <laughs> Stop right there. That, that's enough to make most people close their Bibles. We must work. No, 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 brother, no. We must go on a break. <laughs> if you had the majority of Christians rewrite that passage, that's what it would say. We must go on a break. <laughs> That's not what Jesus said. He told his disciples, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And of course, this uh, passage is in reference in context to doing the works of Christ, doing the works of God. Obviously, there will come a time where we can no longer do the works of Christ, do the works of God. But if you will pop that out of its context momentarily, because it's not really out of context in the whole light of scripture, and put it on what God's called you to do, even in your business or your job, work with urgency, work with urgency. It's like they did in the parable of the talents. Those men worked with urgency. They got busy. They took the talents that their master gave them and put them to work to multiply them and to see increase. And they did it with urgency, knowing the master will be back to check on his investment. And that's what I'm telling you today, that this culture that, uh, you know, that the world has of this entitlement, it stems from pride. It stems from immaturity, and it's sure to bring people into destruction. It's sure to bring people. That's why more than ever before, I don't know if you know this, more than ever before, more than any other generation, people are leaving their parents' homes so much later, so much later than any other generation ever in history. There's people that are close to their 30s, some of them in their 30s still living in their parents' house. Think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. People that are in their 30s still living with their parents in their parents' house, still coming down for breakfast in their PJs. Their mom is still buttering their toast. You know what I'm talking about? It's, <laughs> and let me tell you what's driving that. Entitlement culture. We've babied a whole generation of people and told them you should get by just simply because you're so good. You're so wonderful. We have a whole generation of people that got participation trophies instead of actually having to work to win something. They just got a trophy because they participated. And meanwhile, instead of actually playing the game, they were sitting on the ground in center field picking their nose and their parents were there. That's it, Johnny. Just stand up a little bit. Stand up a little bit, Johnny. Try to catch that ball, Johnny. Stop picking your nose, Johnny. And then at the end of all that, 
with your dirty face and boogers on your finger, we're going to give you a participation trophy. You did so good standing out there in the outfield picking your nose. And you've got a whole generation of those people that grew up and they're literally still living in their parents' house, can't keep a job, can't keep a relationship, can't pay a bill, and you still got mom. What a wonderful job. You're my baby boy. You should just stay in your room, watch some more Netflix. And that's what we got going on in this uh, generation. People think that they should be getting participation trophies. They don't give those at work. They don't give those in relationships. They don't give those out anywhere else but to kids. And I, I'm totally against the participation trophy because I'm against making people feel like it's okay to not work hard and it's okay to not win things. God looking for winners, not participants, winners. Look, Paul taught that. We're looking for people that will, they're not beating the air, boxing the air. They're not running with no purpose. They're running to obtain a prize. We're running to obtain a prize. <laughs> Hallelujah. Running to obtain a prize. And so that's the key. God's not looking for just participants. He's looking for people that will be overcomers, that will win, that will press in and win. And you're that person. You are that person. You are the overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. You are a winner through Christ Jesus who loved you and gave himself for you. Hallelujah. That's right. Tyler Copeland said, I give participation trophies, but I'm the only staff. I was the fastest runner in my grade, but I was homeschooled. <laughs> we are the champions. That's right, Alyssa champions, Christ has given us the victory. And we always have the victory. Now that we have it, let's start operating from the victory instead of trying to always win the victory. We already have it. Now let's manifest it in everything we set our hands to do. Let us manifest the power of God at our job. People think, well, I want to manifest the power of God in a church service. It's more than a church service. At your job, wherever you might go, whatever you might do, manifest the power of God in everything you do and watch as God promotes you. See, this is the key. If you're looking through these scriptures, what we're teaching today is this, is that pride destroys your ability to press in. It destroys it. Because pride immediately thinks, I shouldn't have to press in. I shouldn't have to press in. I shouldn't have to do that. Do you know that one of the things that's crazy, people say that, un, you know, before this, you know, there's people are, well, there's people unemployed. Can I tell you something? When you talk about unemployment, there are tons, tons of jobs available. There's just people that don't want to do work. If you look at the unemployment rate, not right now, because I know we're coming out of the, uh, I know we're coming out of the, um, the, the lockdown, but you know, even before when people want to any kind of talk about any kind of unemployment, the truth about it is it's not that there's not work to be done and it's not that there's not jobs available. It's that people don't want to do hard work. I was looking around. I mean, how is it that people are coming in from other nations and building up restaurants and doing all the construction work and doing all these all these different jobs. Why is it that we can get people that'll come from other nations and there's tons of work to be done? It's just that people don't want to do hard work. Do you know there were trucking companies that were paying people tons of money? They'd put them through the training to get their CDL license. They would they would pay, and then paying them well to do. There was like a shortage in truckers. 
And there were trucking companies that were paying people all kinds of good money to take a trucking position and go across this country dropping uh, loads off in different places as a trucker. Well, I don't want to travel. I don't want to work. Let me tell you something. People better get their heads out of the sand and start doing what the Bible says because there is a call for excellent workers in the body of Christ. And we can't deny, well, it's just not for me. I'm, I'm holding out for a managerial position. Meantime, they've got no education. They've never worked a job before, but they just want to be a manager of something. It's crazy. It's crazy. Do what you can where you can and do it with such excellence that you have to be noticed. And when you get noticed, I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine who, um, you know, people, it's like people are above getting a job at Walmart. Well, I don't want to work at Walmart. I talked to a friend of mine. His son worked at Walmart and started off in the, in the you know, lowest levels. He, he jumped up so fast. I want you to listen to this. He jumped up so fast in, in the Walmart corporation. He went from all the, doing all the normal stuff, jumped up, started being a, a team leader, manager. Then, as, as he was a manager, they said, man, you do such a great job and you've done such a great job with your store. We want to make you a regional manager. And so he did that. And then they then they bumped him up again into corporate offices. And then they, they pulled him aside and told him this. Think about it. They pulled him aside and told him. And, and at this point, you know, he's making over six figures. And, and they pulled him aside and told him, now listen, if you'll continue working and if you're willing to do a little bit of traveling, they said there is no limit. Think about this phrase. There is no limit to how high you can rise in the Walmart Walmart corporation if you're willing to work. They said with the exception of like CEO and like the board of directors, that, that kind of stuff. They said other than those positions, he said there's no limit to how high we can, we can raise you up if you're willing to work, give the time, and do a little bit of traveling. And you talk about a guy that started off at the lowest levels there, but through diligence, faithfulness, spirit of excellence, rose through the ranks, not, not in a long period of time, in a short period of time, and was blessed. And now making over six figures, blessed. I mean, blessed. Serving the Lord. People don't want to work. The real truth of it is many people just don't want to work. They don't want to drive a truck. They don't want to build a house. They don't want to lay cement. They don't want to go lay brick. They don't want to, oh, I shouldn't have to do that. I should be able to play my video games and collect a check. Let me tell you something. God's looking for diligent and hard workers. And when he finds them, God grabs them and lifts them head and shoulders above the rest. And I want to encourage you at the end of this broadcast before we pray that God has a plan to prosper you in 2020 and to prosper your business, to prosper your vision, and to put his hand a blessing on everything you set your hand to do if you're willing to give God your all and to work like you're working for Jesus himself. If you would simply carry a spirit of excellence, serving Christ through your work. I promise you, God would grab a hold of you and push you head and shoulders above the rest. Promotion comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from men. It comes from the Lord. And it's, it's amazing to see what God will do with people who have a willing heart and keep a right spirit and are willing to be diligent and faithful and grind, man. And I'm not saying that you have to work four jobs in order to be blessed. That's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm not talking about it from the natural perspective. Well, I've got to hit that grind, Monday morning grind, Tuesday morning grind, Wednesday morning grind. I'm not talking about it from the standpoint that the sinner looks at it. I got to have 14 side hustles and work three jobs in order. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you'll be diligent in what God has called you to do and what you've set your hand to do, then God himself who brings the increase, who gives the promotion. You know, people tell me, I don't have I don't have excuses for people anymore. Because when people, well, I can't leave my house. That's why I can't work. I'm, I'm I have something. I know people personally, not not through secondhand information or hearsay or read this on the internet. I know people personally that have never left the house, that have sat in their home and through a computer have made close to a million dollars a year selling things online, selling things online. Well, I can't leave my house. That's why I can't work. I have a problem where I can't leave the house. I have no excuses for anybody and you don't have excuses for me. The Lord will bless you the work of your hands. He'll give you ideas. He'll give you supernatural ideas and you'll stand head and shoulders above the rest. There's in the internet age, there's no excuse as to why you can't be blessed. God will show you what to do. He'll give you the avenues. He'll let you do it from home. He'll let you be blessed by being faithful and diligent to carry out the ideas he's put in your spirit. There are no excuses. God can bless you. God can bless you. Well, I don't have any education. You don't even need education anymore to make money. You just don't. Think about this. There are people all over America that have college degrees that can't get jobs and people are telling them, sorry, you're overqualified for this position. So a college education did nothing for them to get a career or a job. So now all they have is student loan debt and no ability to get a job because they're overqualified for everything they apply for. Well, you've got too much actually for this job. We don't need somebody with as much credentials as you have. And so... You don't even need anymore. Think about it. You don't even need anymore education like they used to preach you had to have. You can literally, especially in this nation and in Canada, I mean, it's like UK, you can become, it blows my mind. And and I don't care. I'm not even going to limit it to those nations because if you've got the power of God on your life, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where in the world you are, you'll prosper. You will prosper. There's no limitation to God's prosperous nature. None. And you will be blessed in 2020. If you thought, let me tell you, when I when we started and this, the lockdown started and quarantine happened and all that, I began to pray. I said, Lord, we're not going to decrease. We're not going to diminish ever, ever. And I can testify to you today that never through the entire, I didn't have, I haven't preached one meeting at a church since the middle of March and we're about to hit June. And can I tell you something? God has provided more during the lockdown. Can I tell you something else? We've given tens of thousands of dollars away during the lockdown. Every bill paid on time. Every employee paid on time. Expanding the ministry, which I'll have more testimonies uh, for you about very soon. I can't tell you anything yet. But in in a time of quarantine... In a time where everybody said diminish it, and in a time everybody said it's time to pull back, it's time to hoard, we gave more away, we paid all the bills on time, paid all the employees, and gave tens of thousands of dollars on top of that away, and expanded, 
And the same is going to be true for you. If you thought that God worked miracles during this time, get ready to see what God's going to do for the end of 2020. It's going to be so glorious that you're going to dance around your house. You're going to lift your hands and shout. You are going to have a supernatural praise break. And let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. By the time we hit December 31st, we're going to look back over 2020 and say, how in the world did God do what he did in this last half of 2020? Let me tell you, I am not encouraging you to expect the last half of 2020 to be better than the first half of 2020. Anybody in the world could do that. A sinner could believe for that. We just came out of a horrible period in the nation where everybody was on lockdown. I'm not telling you to expect the last half of 2020 to be greater than the first half of 2020. What I am telling you is to expect the last half of 2020 to be greater than the last half of any year you've ever had in the history of your life. Go back through and look at the greatest years you've ever experienced in God, financially, in physical health, in relationships, in peace and joy. Find that testimony of the past and then expect the final months of 2020 will exceed anything you've seen in the history of your Christian life in the mighty name of Jesus. Because I'll tell you something, this is not a normal year. This is a year of violent increase and expedited favor. I have never taken my mouth off of that confession. I have never said, well, you know, maybe I missed it. Maybe, you know, with the quarantine and everything, and maybe with the COVID and everything, I kind of didn't hear God. And maybe that was for next year. Absolutely not. And what God did through the quarantine is proof to every person that's a partner of this ministry, to myself, to all of our staff members, and to anybody that's looking from the outside, that what we've been saying that came from the Lord has come from the Lord, that this is a year of, let me tell you, who would have thought it was possible? Who would have thought it was possible for someone who, I don't have a church, I'm an evangelist. I travel and minister at other churches. I have no congregation. I don't, but who would have thought that God, you know, I'm sure people would have said, well, be very careful. You better start rationing. You better start putting things. You better just start. And I'm telling you, who would have thought that God would have opened the windows of heaven to such a degree that not only would we have some of the most prosperous months we've ever had in the history of our ministry, but on top of that, been a blessing to others around the world. You know, you know what happens to people? When they go through those areas where it looks like everything's diminishing, they start cutting back on everything they're doing. Well, you know, we've been blessing feed the hungry and feeding hundreds of children, but really that's not uh, what we need to be doing right now. We'll, we'll resume that stuff when we get out of the quarantine and we start having meetings again and we'll start sending a check again. We've never missed, not one hungry child, not one has missed a meal during these months that we've been in quarantine, we didn't have to pull back our sewing. We have to pull back our giving. Well, we used to be one of the top givers to feed the hungry, but you know, that thing happened and you know, we had to stop our, our giving. No, we'll never have to stop what we're doing. If God told us to do it, he'll provide the increase. We'll never go backwards. We'll never diminish. We'll never become small. We'll never become insignificant. We'll only become more impactful. We'll only become more effective. We'll only explode. We'll only grow. 
because the hand of God is upon what he's called us to do. And you will be the same. Your life will increase. Your family will increase. Your finances will increase. Everything God has called you to do will go higher. You'll never diminish. You will look unto him and your faces, the Bible says, will be lightened and you'll never be ashamed. Hallelujah. You will never be ashamed. Ariana, find that scripture for me and put it up in the comments. I think it's in Psalms. They looked unto him and their faces were lightened and they were never ashamed. That's a powerful scripture. I want you to stand on it today. I want you to say by faith in the comments right now, I will never, in all caps, never diminish. I will never diminish. I will never diminish. Never. It's not my story. It's not possible for a lion in the kingdom of God to diminish. Hallelujah. It is not possible. It's not possible. I can't. Look at this, Psalm 34. Let me encourage your let me encourage your faith with this. Psalm 34 and uh, verse 10. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Hallelujah. Whoo, glory to God. That's because I'm not a natural lion. I'm a supernatural lion. The natural young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. You will not lack any good thing. Because you are part of the tribe, the victory tribe of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. The lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm part of the victory tribe. I hope you can jump on this with me today because I'm feeling the Holy Ghost on this. Those who seek the Lord. That's it. Grace Huffton, I love you. They lack no good thing. We are not part of those who diminish. We are the victory tribe. Hallelujah. There it is. Some, same, same chapter, Psalm 34, 5. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Thank you, Jesus. We're part of the victory tribe. And we don't diminish. We cannot diminish. I will not diminish. I cannot part of the victory tribe. If Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah and I am in his body, <laughs> then I am him on the earth. I am part of the lion of the tribe of Judah. I am part of the victory tribe. Thank you, Jesus. I am part of the victory tribe. That means I can't lose. If Christ can't lose, I can't lose because I'm in his body. I'm in his body. I'm in his body. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If he can't lose, I can't lose. If it can't destroy him, it can't destroy me. It can't destroy you. In Jesus' name. I said, if it can't destroy him, it can't destroy you. In Jesus' mighty name. How can we diminish when we are Christ? I'm in his body. I'm a member. You're a member. Part of the lion. Who is going to tell the lion of the tribe of Judah no? Who is going to say the lion of the tribe of Judah has to diminish? Who is going to tell the lion of the tribe of Judah that he cannot increase? Who do they think they're talking to? We are the victory tribe. Let me tell you, I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening out, out my window right now. And I'm hearing it's 
pouring. It's poured all night long. It poured all through the, it poured so much over my house last night. I had to go out in the middle of the night with a raincoat on and with, with a wrench and turn the pool pump on and pump water out of the pool into the lake. And I'm telling you, in the end of this miracle month, I take it as a sign. I don't normally say things like that or do things like that. You know, make everything that's happening around you a sign. There's super spiritual people that do that. Now, when I was going to church, there was a dog that came up next to the car and he looked at me and I knew what he was thinking. What do you think God was saying by that? I'm not, you know, there's people that do nutty stuff like that, but I'm telling you, I feel it as a sign. It poured all day yesterday. It poured all night last night. I hear it right now. Massive, massive drops of rain hitting my house. And I'm telling you, at the end of this month of miracles, it's getting ready to pour on you like you have never seen. God's getting ready to open up the windows of heaven. I feel the Holy Ghost as I'm talking about it. God's getting ready to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to contain. It's going to pour on your life. It's going to pour on your family. It's going to pour on your finances. It's going to pour on your mind. It's going to pour on your body. It's going to pour. I'm telling you, get ready. We're the victory tribe and God's pouring out his blessings. It's beginning to rain. That's right, Marie Miller. And I'm telling you, just like in the Old Testament, the prophet's servant first saw it as a cloud the size of a man's hand rising out of the sea. But the prophet didn't say we were going to have a little rain. He said there's going to be an abundance of rain. And he told the king, get in your chariot and get back to the city and don't let the rain stop you. I'm telling you the same. I can hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I hear the sound of an abundance of rain that's getting ready to hit us at the last part of this month. And then June, it starts. We're going to take off for the rest of this year like we've never seen in Jesus' name. (laughs) I'm telling you, we're going to take off like we've never seen. And doors are opening. Jobs are becoming available. Promotions are going to be available. Raises, bonuses, commissions, sales. Get ready. It's going to blow up for you. For the people of God, those that are part of the Victory Tribe, get ready because it's going to blow up for every one of us. It's going to blow up for every one of us. And so I wanted you to hear this because God's looking for workers. He's looking for faithful and diligent workers. Don't let that demonic thought process of this generation pull you in to that uh, entitlement mentality. But get ready to work, get ready to run, get ready to be blessed at another level in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and you will be blessed. And, and, And remember, as we get blessed, never stop giving God the praise because we didn't do it. Our hard work didn't do it. Our hands didn't do it. Our wits didn't do it. Our strength didn't do it. All blessing comes from the Lord who empowers us to do anything that we do. So as he's blessing, let me give you a behind the scenes secret, a way to stay into that never ending blessing, never ending increase is as you go, Loud and long, continue to give Jesus all the glory and all the praise for every good thing that happens in your life, in your business, 
in your ministry, just loudly and long give Jesus all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise for what he's doing in your life. And when you do that, it continues to bring dividend after dividend after dividend onto your life. Because when he's glorified, when he is praised, he just keeps inhabiting the praises of his people. And as he's inhabiting you, your presence uh, and your praise, all that comes with him is with him. There's no better way to say it. All that comes with him is with him. And if it's with him, it's with you. Peace comes, joy comes, victory comes, overflow comes, peace, all that. It all comes with him. And so I'm going to pray the prayer of faith over you at the end of this broadcast. And I want you to hear me because this is happening now. It's not going to happen next year. It's happening now in Jesus name. And the biggest testimonies that you've posted yet are coming. They're coming and they're coming quickly. Father, in Jesus name, I pray for all of your precious and wonderful people that are watching the broadcast with me today. Lord, I ask you right now that you would quickly move us into this time of outpouring. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that the blessings are quickly coming. Nothing can stop what you have planned for us. There's no devil that can stop it, no government, no corporation, no secret society, no antichrist agenda can stop what you have planned for our lives. And so, Lord, we enter into it knowing that it's you and only you that can do these things. We give you honor and glory and bless and, and praise for your blessing, and we know that our hands will be filled with the goodness of God in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd continue to give us instructions as we move forward into what you've called us to do. Continue to guide us into prosperity. Continue to guide us by instruction into overflow and blessing. We thank you for it. We give you all the praise that everything we set our hand to do will be abundantly blessed in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it and you're standing with this victory tribe, throw some fire in the comments section and let me know you believe and receive it today in the mighty name of Jesus. And while you're at it, if you feel what I'm talking about, I mean, if you feel what I'm talking about, take this time. It's a holy moment to sow a seed of faith and believe I'm not diminishing. I'm not moving backwards. You know, we, my wife and I made the choices. We're like, we're not, we're not moving backwards. We're going to sow tens of thousands while we believe in a time of, uh, you know, quarantine and in a time where it's locked down. You ain't locking my blessing down. You're not locking my increase down. You're not locking my harvest down. We're going to sow thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars while we're sitting here at the house getting blessed by God and while we're putting content out and writing books and blessing people through Miracle Word. Let me tell you something. It's never going to stop us and it's never going to stop you. So right now, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Those of you that are watching, to take this time. It's a holy moment. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost in here to sow a seed by faith, follow the example of Pastor Joel Toller in the United Kingdom and sow a seed by faith today. Very easy to do. And I'm encouraging you to partner with us because we're getting ready to step into the most productive season that Miracle Word has ever seen. Think about this. And I have more, more to tell you soon. Thank you, Roxy. I got more to tell you soon. But the most productive season Miracle Word has ever seen in the history of the ministry. We're expanding. I can't wait to tell you, but listen to me. 
stand with us. Do you imagine? Think about what you can do. Think about what you can do at just $85 a month, $100 a month. Something that might be just a dinner with your spouse or maybe you know a, a, something out with your kids for one day out of the month. Think about a cell phone bill, a cable bill. But just by sowing that or whatever the Lord tells you to do, think about who's changed around the world. Think about who's changed in your generation as you're partnering with this ministry to see a generation shaken by the power of God before it's too late. And those of you that the Lord is speaking to you to to monthly, partner with us monthly, go to miracleword.com and you can click on the partner page or the give page. And there's a way that you can set up there a monthly seed that you would stand with us. Thank you, Brother Carl. Appreciate you. Appreciate you very much. That you'd stand with us on a monthly basis and say, you know what? Every month, my seed's going in the ground. Every month, I'm believing for my generation to be shaken. This, Listen, hear me when I tell you this. We're not playing games and neither are you. This is life or death for many people. Jesus is coming soon. And there are so many that don't know. They don't know. When I went to Brazil last year, I was so blessed to be there in uh, those two main locations. I was so blessed. And every night, even with the filter of an interpreter, every night, when I called for people to be saved, I was so blessed to see people flood the altar of God. The pastor was very smart. He knew that his church, which was a large church, he said he had theater-style seating that was screwed into the ground, the, the seats that fold down. He said these seats will not be enough for the people that are going to come to this revival. They just will not be. He had his people, thank you, Debbie, he had his staff tear out all of the theater seating, they went out and bought plastic garden chairs. They, they could get more of them in the sanctuary and filled it with 11, 1,200 seats. Plus they had overflow rooms of hundreds of people, multiple overflow rooms. On the first night, every seat in the sanctuary and in the overflow rooms packed to the gills. And when I gave the call for salvation, the altar was jammed with people who needed to be saved. And every single night, it was the same. On the last night, so many people were saved. There wasn't room at the altar. And then the entire congregation, we laid hands on everybody and anointed them with oil, believing for a mighty harvest in Brazil. It's happening around the world. And you are a part of what God is doing. Thank you, Debbie. And I want to encourage you to stand with this ministry on a monthly basis. So those of you, I know the Lord's speaking to you, go to miracleword.com and there you can click the give page or the partner tab and sow a monthly seed. For those of you that want to do something, a one-time seed or offering today, you can do that as well. If you like to use a digital platform to give, hashtag donates available on Twitter, Periscope, Facebook. Um, If you'd like to use Cash App, the information's on the screen, Venmo, the same username, MWGive. You can use PayPal as well. But I always tell everybody the easiest way to sow, no matter where you are in the world, miracleword.com. And we appreciate it and love you very much. And I thank God for those of you that stand with us because we love you, we pray for you. And uh, I'm telling you, I believe, I truly believe this, the more I'm praying about it, that God has sent me to you and sent you to me in these final moments of time. I believe that. Believe that wholeheartedly. God has sent me to you and sent you to me. I don't believe anything's by accident. 
God's joined us together for a purpose. And I want to I want to say something to you. That's why we pray for you and your families by name. And that's why I want you to uh, connect via text message and send me texts and let me send you texts because it's the best way to stay connected. I can get your prayer requests. I can hear from you, but then also I can let you know what's happening. I can let you know what's going on, what I feel is going on, what the Lord's speaking to me. I can speak it to you directly and quickly. We don't have to wait for another broadcast. You don't have to wade through thousands of emails to find mine. You don't have to miss out on social media posts because of algorithms they've put to put up. But via text message, go to miracleword.com forward slash text and sign up today and stay connected with me. When you sign up, you can put your information directly in my phone book, my contact list, and we'll stay connected. And it is me texting you. It is me praying for you. I am standing with you because I believe in you. God has joined us together in these final moments of time. And I appreciate every partner, every person that stands with Carolyn and with me to see God shake this generation before it's too late. Because time's coming when it will be. But before that time hits, let me encourage you, we will be abundantly blessed. And so for those of you that are sowing today, all the information's on the screen. I can't wait to tell you all the things God's doing in Miracle May. It's our month of miracles. <laughs> and my, let me tell you something. It is a month of miracles. It is absolutely a month of miracles. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.